really actually feeling a lot of joy. And it's really funny because last night preparing, I felt so much anxiety coming against me. And I texted some of you guys and it was as if I was like, I was trying to write down my notes and I'm like, babe, I'm so stressed. And I couldn't write down my notes. I'm texting you guys to, uh, to pray. And then as I'm writing down, it dissipates. And at the finish, I'm like, all right, eating pumpkin pie. So it was good. But this is what I feel. I feel like two things I saw during worship. One was the story of Elijah. And I think it was his servant who, and he couldn't see. Like the army is coming against them. And the Lord said, um, Elijah said, open his eyes so that he can see that there's more for us than against us. So I really feel, and then the second picture I got was Theoden from Lord of the Rings. Who are my Lord of the Rings fans? Raise your hands. And he's like in that shroud and Gandalf the gray is now Gandalf the white, right? And he comes in with his light and dispels Wormtongue, who's feeding him all these lies. So I, I sense that there's a great, great deliverance going to happen today. And it's because of his delight. One of my favorite verses is that he delivers me because he delights in me. I'm going to say that again. He delivers me because he delights in me. So when I'm speaking... I feel the power of deliverance is going to come, that minds are going to be stilled, fears are going to dissipate, and God's truth will reign in victory. Amen? All right, so I'm so excited. Let me drink some water real quick. Also, the during worship... I feel a little bit of Coach Sasha coming out. I don't know, maybe I always come out like Coach Sasha, but um, I'm really feeling it this morning, so it's going to be fun, but it's going to be firm, you know what I'm saying? We're going to work on our squats this morning, okay? Because we were talking about we want more of God, and all I could think of, oh, that's more work. <laughs> and meaning, it's like we want more of God, it's like the Egyptians coming out of slavery. We want the promised land. Okay, we got to go through the wilderness. All right. I remember uh, I was I was a volleyball player. I always bring up volleyball because it's such a such a special place in my heart. But during this time of the year is usually when most people are ending their season. But one particular year, my junior year or sophomore year, I can't remember. We were really good, and you had you get, get to keep going in your season. But that means we couldn't go into the lull of holiday feasting and celebratory, and everyone's like, you know, they turn off their gears to like a five. They go from a ten, like all the students, and they're just like, we're checking out. We couldn't check out. After school, it's like, okay, drill number one, you know, abs, core, you know, dr drills, because we had to get ourselves prepared for the next leg. And so I really sense that the Lord has me wanting to talk about the in-between place. The place between vision has been said, we have the seed. It's like, this is going to be a pretty flower. Yay. I have the seed in my hand. I'm putting it in the dirt. And you're like, yes, it's going to see the picture on the, on the seed package. It's like really beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. And then you're like, it's in the dirt. And you're like... It's brown and dirt and not much is happening. And I had to do the work of watering it consistently and with little to no results in the beginning. So um, as Meg said, we are in Elijah in um, Embrace, and it's so awesome right now. And honestly, this sermon came out of this place of I was in a place of grumbling and kind of complaining. Okay, complaining, not kind of. Sorry, Lord. Um, and I really needed some orientation. God, show me what's happening. So I want to read this story that Priscilla, what is it, Shire or Shrier? Shire. Um, <laughs> Priscilla shares in her story. I'm going to share it just from her text. This is the Elijah Bible. 
study and and it, because it paints the picture so well. So Joshua, my friend Shauna's older son, as I shared with you last week, is a cadet in West Point, the United States Military Academy. I've known him since the day he was born, which makes it even harder for me to believe how he's suddenly become a grown man. Not that he wasn't already strong and mature, but he's different now. West Point has made him different. Being a young Army cadet has shaved off whatever remained of any teenage recklessness and frivolity replacing it with the meaty stuff of refined manhood, the visible bearing of self-discipline, respect, submission to authority, and honor for himself and others around him. And started in boot camp, first-year cadets, plebes, as the upperclassmen not so lovingly call them, arrive on campus with few freedoms. The rigid routine of their all-day, all-night schedule is harsh and unforgiving. Every single area of their lives is regulated. Unlike freshmen in other colleges who can trot home every weekend for mama's cooking and laundry services, the rules regarding plebes restrict their family visits to a total of eight specific days for the entire two semesters, none of which exceed a strict 24 to 48 hours in duration. That's just the military way. In order to be instilled with the mindsets, attitudes, priorities, and behaviors that will make them ready to discharge their duties in any situation, they need a clean, intentional distance away from the life that they were accustomed to living before entering the academy. They need to resist the urge to go home. Okay? So let's turn in our Bibles to... um, Actually, okay, stay on course. Here we go. Let's go to Deuteronomy 32.5. Resist the urge to go home. 32.5. It's not a happy verse, but the Lord told me to share it. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children, they're talking about Israel, because they are blemished. They are crooked and a twisted generation. All right, I'm going to have you flip some more. Exodus 15, 27. This is our main story. We're talking about the in-between place, this place between promise given and promised land. 15, Exodus 15, 27. I just read, they have behaved corruptly toward him. They are not his children. This is their flaw, a generation crooked and perverse. Just keep that in your mind. Here in Exodus, we pick up, the Israelites actually have already complained once prior to this, what I'm about to read. God already does a miracle beyond regular normal capacities despite their complaining. So can we say God's gracious? Come on now. All right, God is gracious. All right, Exodus 15, 27. I'm actually going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to start in the middle of 25. There, the Lord made for them a statuette, a rule. There he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped encamped there by the water. This is interesting to me. So they're in the wilderness. This sounds like a pretty good spot. 70 palm trees. They got some water. And I can imagine some of them are like, this is good enough. You know, it's like, we've already traveled. Like, this is good. I got my palm trees and I got some water. We're good. I don't need honey and milk. You know, palm trees, water, we're good. You know? So God actually has to increase our appetite to desire the truth of who he is and the truth of where we're going. Sometimes we are much too easily satisfied. We're much too easily satisfied. It's like someone who's been brought up with McDonald's and they think the number four is the, the greatest thing in the world. I actually don't know what the number four is. But they think it's amazing because that's all they've known. 
But when they, and so when they're even enticed by a steak, you know, from the, the, the best, you know, farmer, it's like, I don't even want it. I don't even have an appetite for it. So Jesus has to take them from Egypt and start changing and refining their appetite so that their desires actually line up with him. Does that make sense? So that they don't stop at the palm trees in the water. Okay? So they set out from Elam, praise God, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. <laughs> what a blessing. Which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. I hope you're thinking of Jesus right after he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, in the water and in the Holy Ghost. And Jesus says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's glorious. The heavens are open. And he's like, and now the spirit is going to drive him into the wilderness. Just in case no one has told you as a Christian, you're going to have to go through the wilderness. <laughs> there is no escape route from the process of sanctification. There is, there is no shortcut. Z zero. Okay? I promise there's good news coming. <laughs> All right. But it's not yet here. Uh, Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and I mean, y'all, y'all. I'm just thinking about my house and five children, and I, you can catch me from time to time grumbling. I'm just like, you know, I barely have woken up. One wants to nurse, the other wants breakfast or something. I'm not quite awake, and it's like, you know? And so you're, you have to get a picture of the Israelites. Like, this isn't just like, just men or just, you know, women, praise God, neither of those would work. And, but there's families, infants to elderly, needs, personalities. There's some grumbling happening, okay? There's some grumbling against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And, the, and isn't it interesting? Their grumbling is against people. We tend to just pick whoever's closest, right? You're like, usually it's my husband, unfortunately. And it's like, it's all his fault. You know, it's like, you just pick whoever, who's in charge here. It's, you're the reason that this is going downhill. God, forgive us. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get delivered today. Some of us already are, like me. All right. All right. Grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the woods, and the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Isn't it interesting when we're in the process that God wants us that somehow that past time of slavery seems so appealing? Like, they're totally dramatizing their slave days. They're like, oh, yeah, we had meat and bread. We were, we were rocking it. It's like, no, you weren't. You were slaves. But they got so comfortable. They got so comfortable. Ooh, Jesus, help me. So I just watched the movie Harriet. Who knows the story of Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad? So Harriet was a conductor in the Underground Railroad. And what's fascinating to me about, and she, there's a movie out, it's a recent movie. What's fascinating about this story, she gets to the pro her promised land. She gets to freedom. She gets to the north. In her integrity and in her courage, she goes back to get her family. But some of her family want to stay. They don't want to risk the danger of the in-between for the glory of freedom. They rather stay in their perceived meat pots and bread. But that is slavery. 
They don't know any, they, they, they can't risk the in-between. And I want us to leave here encouraged to embrace the in-between, to say, God, I want to get everything that you have for me in the in-between, and I want it by your grace to do it with thanksgiving. I don't want to grumble and complain against you and your wisdom and your leadership. God, help me to embrace the in-between. That's where I want us to go. So um, let's go to Philippians 2.14. We're just, I'm going to give you some scripture. And one of these out of the you know, bajillion that I have are going to stand out to you. And I want that to be your food in the wilderness. This is your daily bread to keep you in that place of tension, to, to not withdraw or rush ahead, but to stay in the place of tension. So Philippians 2.14 gives us some instruction, and we read Deuteronomy 32.5, and, and these are, Philippians 2.14 speaks of 30, Deuteronomy 32.5. And it says, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Grumbling or questioning. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what's the difference between questioning and having questions. And he said, questioning is rooted in pride, and it's usually you want to usurp the authority that I've given you around you. You want to dismantle it because you think that you could do better. And so it's rooted in pride. That's questioning. Having questions is rooted in humility. You want to have understanding so that you can do better. Does this make sense? So that you can yield further. So when we don't understand the in-between, when the trial feels a little too much, like, God, I really want you to eject me from this wilderness. Don't question him. Ask him questions. Ask him questions to better understand his heart and his ways and who he is, his nature. And that will help you fuel your steps forward from inaction to action. All right. I'm going to pick up our story with Priscilla. They wish they were back home, even if home was altogether incompatible with the plan and purpose God had claimed on their lives. Am I speaking to anyone that like you just want to go back to that safe spot where it was good, community was good. I remember when I first moved to Kentucky and I left an amazing community back home in Dallas and I was like, Lord, this looks like a wasteland in this Kentucky. <laughs> I, I just left the, the springs and the palm trees, Lord. <laughs> and he said, you need to say goodbye. I was in church service, not here, somewhere else. And, and he said, you need to say goodbye to Dallas. He said, you cannot go where I want you to go unless you say goodbye. And so he let me grieve and mourn over people that had left, people that I love. Because it was like, it was, it was home for me. That is home. That's where I grew up. That's where I got saved since I was six. People know me in my church, you know, phone number, address. It's beautiful, safe, home. Okay? But here's the thing. It's incompatible with the plan and purpose of God. We have to keep moving to the sound of his voice. We have to keep moving forward. We have to. Or they wish they were going forward. So a lot of times it's like, I either want to go back or get me where I need to go. I don't want to stay in this place of sanctification. I don't want to stay in this place of refining. I don't want to stay in this uncomfortable place. Get me back to some sort of comfort zone quick. 
Didn't you say that you, you came to give life and life abundantly? This does not feel like life abundantly. I, I'm struggling, strugglingly. <laughs> Y'all, come on. All right. So they wanted to hurry on to their promised land. Okay. So let's, let's, I, I want us to pick up some things. So there's three things. All right. I'm going to use my whiteboard here. I love me. Oh, you can't? Okay. Three things. I said, God, what are three things that you want, that you are teaching us in the in-between places, okay? In-between. In-between. Everyone say in-between. Come on. Three things. All right, first thing. Your comfort is not in this world. But in Jesus, let's go to Hebrews eleven fifteen. saying comfort is to be found in Jesus, not here. <laughs> let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews eleven fifteen sixteen. 16. Hebrews has been feeding my soul. Eleven, fifteen, sixteen. All right, this is going to be one of our anchor verses. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. Isn't God so kind? He's like, you, you get a choice. When he invited me to say goodbye to Dallas, I could have said, no. Nah. I'll keep that emotional space in my heart and in my mind. I'll just always wish I'm back in Dallas. And guess what have not happened? This, me being here would not have happened. Me meeting you all would not have happened. I would have been too moaning, groaning, grumbling, complaining over how I wish I was back in Dallas. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to turn. But as it is, they desire a better country. Say a better country. Come on. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Okay, number two. Fullness. This is good. Fullness is not fulfilled in the field but in the father some of y'all are like well if I was just in that ministry place if our ministry was here if my job was like this if my house was this way if I had it all together my field was all straight and garden perfect then I would be fulfilled. And our fulfillment is never going to be in those things. It has to be in the Father. Which is why I believe that the Lord had him say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to know that you are satisfied in the Father. Because none of these other excursions and adventures that are awesome and crazy and beautiful and needed are ever going to satisfy to the way that having communion with the Father is. All right? And, and that kind of gives you a, a, a bit of a release. Because if there, you're so concerned about seeing that small P promise, you know, there's a small P promise and there's a big P promise. The big P promise is the Prince of Peace. The small P promise, we do want to fight for, we do want to walk into, we do want to pray and intercede and connect, but this is not going to satisfy us the way that the Prince of Peace will, okay? Big P promise. He's our, he's our big peace promise, all right? Number three, <laughs> I'm not going to write this whole thing, <laughs> but he told me, he said, the past is not to be tickled or trifled with, but it is to be thankful for. It's something you need to be thankful for. Just like I was talking about Dallas, it's like we want to have this fantasy, like just like with the Israelites. They're like, we had the meat pots, we had the bread, it looks so good. I mean, we really like glam it up sometimes, like where we came from, like, you know, because we, it feels so barren here. 
So compared to the barrenness and the stripped that he has taken us through, McDonald's sounds good. You know what I'm saying? We're still in process of wanting the better country. Does that make sense, guys? So don't tickle, don't trifle with the, with the past. Oh, I, I wish I coulda, woulda. It, let's go back. I know there's some very not so great stories in the Bible where they look back and it didn't really end well. Okay, <laughs> let's not do that. Let's not do it. But be thankful. Thank, it should, it should in, ensue thankfulness into our hearts, okay? Yeah, don't pet the past. Say goodbye, say thank you very much, and say, I got a better country. Everyone say better country. Oh, come on now. All right, also with me? Because I got notes. We, we going places, okay? We going places. Does everyone have this that wanted this? That could read this? <laughs> All right, everyone say goodbye. <laughs> All right, some more meat for us. I'm, I have asked a lot of questions because I have felt very much in the in-between place. And like I said, I've been struggling with my own groaning and moaning and grumbling, complaining. And I have noticed that it has not bear, bore a lot of good fruit. And because I'm really desirous of Jesus and his ways, I want to obey him in his ways. And I want to not grumble and complain. And I want to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. Can I get an amen? Anyone else out there? Okay. So this is some more notes here. What will happen? This is another question I had for the Lord. What will happen if we refuse the cultivation and training ground of the in-between place and retreat back to the comfort zone? What will happen? Okay. What if... What if... We retreat. If you are at King's Church, my guess, my very wise guess, is that you have been tempted to retreat. <laughs> Just taking a gander. We got some pioneer happening up in King's Church. It's just who we're called to be. And something about that Israel anointing going to the promised land, just, you just have to fight that temptation to retreat. But what if we did, let's, let's, let's what, will it, what will it produce? The Lord gave me three C's. I like when he does that, it helps my brain. One is complacency, okay? Two is, let me go back to my notes, callousness, how do I say that? Is that a word? Callousness? Is that a word? Did I just make that up? Okay, praise Jesus. And number three, cowardice. <laughs> Is anyone encouraged? <laughs> I promise I end on a, on a good note. So what if we retreat? These three C's will start making habitation in our heart and in our lives. Complacency, callousness, and cowardness. I'm going to put some uh, verses up there, and I'll see if I'll go into each one. Isaiah 32, 9 through 12. Write these down for your morning study, or for your study, whatever. And Revelation, I was thinking of Marcy. She's not here this morning. Marcy, wherever you are, she's online. I love you, Marcy. You were on my heart this morning. I felt like you would appreciate all my notes. Revelation, Revelation 3, 15 through 19. We'll probably go there. It's one of my favorites. All right. For callousness, we're going to go Psalm 81, 11 through 12. This is good. I know this is, this is school. You got to like work, you got to work your brain. Okay. Psalm 81, 11, 2, and then cowardice is going to be Revelation 21, Eight, eight. Sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but when I read my Bible, I'm like, <sighs> like, God, are you serious? I'm just, you know, wondering if um, 
<laughs> you mean it when you say this. That's that. Sometimes in my quiet time, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, just take a moment. Jesus, I don't know about this verse. You're gonna have to help me. Help me swallow. Help me swallow the hard, the bitter with the sweet. All right. Let me, uh, y'all don't have to go there, but if you want to, you can. I'm going to read a little bit of this Isaiah verse. This is actually a new verse for me as far as familiarity, but it was like, it was a little bit yikes. It was, it was rough, rough going down the pipe. All right. Holy Spirit, just open up our eyes, open up our hearts, invite the spirit of revelation. All right, 32. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent woman. For the grape harvest fails, the fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. And it goes on. But it's like... We don't want to go where you're going. We know it's going to be hard. We know it's going to be trials. There's going to be trials. Your word says it. We know we're going to have to step at the sound of your voice. It's like Peter, it's like there is a storm raging and God says, come out on the water. So you're going to have to engage and get out of that place of sight and get into that place of faith or else you're going to stay back in the boat and one, you miss the adventure of a lifetime. Two, you're going to remain complacent. And it's harder and harder to get, from, get out of that place of complacency, which goes to callousness, callousness. And I hope the, the Pharaoh comes to mind where he refuses to submit to the Lord's word and his heart becomes hardened, okay? And I'm not gonna be able to break it down for you right now, but there's this, there's this choice. I know the Bible's a little tricky and, he, and it's like God hardened his heart. But let's read this verse that's in Psalms and I think it will help you get a grid of what's happening in Pharaoh's heart as he responds to the word of the Lord. Let's go to Psalm 81, 11, 12. All right. <clears throat> Starting with verse 11. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be in my own counsels. Okay? I don't want to be in my own counsel. This is the result of own counsel. And I don't know if y'all remember, but my goal in life is to have a, a soft heart before the Lord when I'm 81, 80 plus. I don't know why I said 81. But this is, Pharaoh had a chance to respond, but he gave him over to his own ways. Okay? We all have a chance to respond. But every time we say no and reject him, and I know this from my own life, our hearts will get harder and harder. And it'll be harder to turn and, and step into the path that he has for us. All right, number three, cowardice. Um, I'm gonna go, go to Revelation 21a. I'm gonna read a definition. Coward, cowardice is a trait wherein excessive fear prevents. Everyone say prevents. An individual from taking a risk or facing danger. Someone once told me, a mentor teacher of ours in the past, who I'm thankful for, said that fear loves to magnify himself to a thousand, okay? But he's actually like this small, the demon of fear. He's this small, you can crush him with your foot, 
Just like a cockroach. Y'all know if y'all have a cockroach in your home, who's like, oh my gosh, Lord, Chuck, come and kill that thing, that demon from the hells of hells, come and kill it. <laughs> That's me. Okay. But when we're messing with the demon of fear, he's projecting like he is like this big house, like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Y'all know that movie? Honey, I, I magnified and the cockroach is like humongous and they're like itty bitty. That's what the demon of fear is trying to intimidate you with. But he's not that big. You you know, you strip the veil, you step in, he's like this small. You say, go in the name of Jesus. You need to go. I'm going to step. I have some things to do. I got a promise to go to. I have a promise. I have my healer in my hand. He's before me. He's behind me. He's all around me. You need to step aside fear. Okay. I got, I got things to do. Okay. And that fear wants to make you feel as small as it does. So that you won't walk in your promise. Okay? Where are we supposed to go? So Revelation 21, 8. I'm going to go in and read the b before. But for right now, these, the one who conquers will have this heritage. And we'll get to that heritage in a second. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Guys, it is God's mercy to give us that verse. It is God's love to give us that verse. I, I shared this story one time um, with a friend, you know, if our children are about to touch a hot stove and we're sitting here watching it and we, I know y'all can't see me over there. If we sit back and we're sitting there watching with a stove and we're just like, yeah, you just, just keep going. Like we're basically passive and we're not telling them anything. Is that love? That is not love. That is negligence. That is hate that you your child is about to hurt himself to some sort of degree so love kind of looks like stop child give me that hand you know you ransack him with your body tackle them to the floor they might get some bruises in the process but they didn't just burn their whole being i know that's i'm drama for emphasis okay <laughs> But God is being loving when he says, don't succumb to cowardice. Don't, don't be faithless. Don't create idols. Don't go into this weird place of sexual immorality. Stay with me. Stay in my word. Stay in my truth. Stay in my light. And you will conquer. I was in worship. I was thinking of this Helen Keller quote. Either life is a daring adventure or nothing at all. Helen Keller. It's time to grab his hand and jump off the plane. But it's going to look like these mundane steps of obedience. Let me say that again. This daring adventure, this wild, crazy ride, is going to sometimes look like the Red Sea parting. And you're like, woo, that was cool, Jesus. That was real cool. I'm with you. I'm with the Red Sea parter staff holding up. I like that God. But what about when it's like, start getting thirsty, <clears throat> start getting hungry? I know about you guys, but I'm still getting sanctified in that area. You know, you get everyone hangry, anyone? Oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all, it's true though. He wants us to grow in patience and grow in kindness and grow in things like thanksgiving when it doesn't feel like there's much in front of you. He's looking to grow your heart in love and the knowledge of who he is. Sometimes we're so worried about the out, what's it look like on the outside. Sasha, you're so worried about how people are perceiving you. You're not, you need to be more concerned with the nature of God and what he has for you. The gold refined by fire. All right. All right, I think I got a, 
a little bit more time? Okay, a little bit more time. I'm gonna leave you with an, an acronym, I think. Is that what the, the letters and they each mean? All right, I have an acronym for you. All right, do I have a tissue instead of I use my hands? All right, so how, let's go back to Hebrews 11:16. This is our anchor verse. This is where I'm going to land. I'll teach y'all an acronym. I want us to leave here saying, God, please don't take me from the in-between place because of my grumbling and complaining. Please help me to receive everything that you have for me in the testing, in the trial, and in the wilderness. I want everything you have. That's, that's my prayer, that Sasha Horning leaves here and says, Papa, this is uncomfortable, but, but don't. Don't rush this process because the faith that you're building in me is way more valuable than the comfort that I don't feel. So Hebrews 11, oh, thank you. All right, can we say this together? One, two, three. If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Next verse, do you have it? No? JK? Because the next verse is, is where it's at. All right. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All right. So how do we respond in the in-between? Everyone say in-between. All right. H. E, A, V, E, N, L, Y. Everyone say heavenly. All right, come on, y'all, that's cool. God gave me a heavenly acronym. All right, for our verse that says a heavenly one, that's pretty cool. Go, Jesus. Okay, H is humility. I'm just going to run through these. Humility. Recognize that God is at work, that God finishes what he starts, and that his leadership is perfect, okay? Humility. Recognize that God is at work. All right, what else did I say? He will finish what he started, and his leadership is perfect. All right, come on now. And now number E. Number E? Praise God. All right, here we go. Encourage. I couldn't find the verse, but maybe y'all know it. It says, because the day is drawing near, encourage one another, okay? Encourage each other. We have to do this. Encourage each other and strengthen yourself in the Lord, all right? Encourage, encourage. I love encouragement. Encourage is giving courage to someone. My husband's one of my greatest encouragers. I also have five of them at home, and my little Marshall tends to be a, a, a little higher degree sometimes in verbally encouraging me, which I appreciate. Well, they all actually do it in different ways. Like, one, like, compliments my, my looks, and, you know, one, like, says you're awesome. I don't know. I love it. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Send, send the rain. Send the encouragement. All right. Hey, acknowledge. This is so important. You know, Brad, this morning, he said, good morning, Holy Spirit. We got we to gotta recognize that he, he's, he's in our midst. You know, I always use the, the story of, like, if you're in your kitchen and there's someone in there and you're not saying hi to them, that's a little rude. That's a little rude. Holy Spirit is a person. And if you're, if you're a believer, he's indwelling with you. And if you invite him into your house, he's indwelling your home. So give them a little hello. <laughs> Hi, Holy Spirit. Thanks for being here this morning. I need your help this morning to deal with these five boys. No, Okay, that was a little bit of my prayer. Uh, but acknowledge, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, acknowledge me in all your ways, in, all, in every single one of the ways, all the ways. Acknowledge him. Say, hello, Jesus. You're here. You're in my midst. I mean, that acknowledge him over the fear that you feel. You know what I'm saying? Magnify what you are, yeah, magnify what you want to grow. 
okay? If you're magnifying the fear, that will grow. Magnify Jesus. Magnify Jesus. Okay, V, valor. How are we doing? Valor. Y'all know the story of Gideon? Valor. Let me read this quote that I've loved by FDR. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something or someone else is more important than fear. Let's bring that even closer to home. Your friendship, your relationships, your family is more important than fear. So it's time to war against the spirit of fear. Get out of that spirit of fear. Call your friends. Shandai it up. Put on some worship music. And, and, and put some action. I have found that one of the greatest annihilators of fear is to do an action in the opposite direction. If that fear is telling me, yeah, you shouldn't go and preach, which she was yesterday, it's like, okay, I'm going to bring it this morning. We're going to show that demon who's boss, Yahweh, okay? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Come on. All right. And when it says, back to encouragement, give encouragement. We're a body for a reason. If I'm down, I need to call some of my, my brethren, okay? Give the courage that you have, okay? Okay, E, this is easy. Eyes on eternity. Eyes on eternity. Jesus said, because the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, there's a joy and it's called resurrection. It's called new bodies that can handle the beaming light of the Holy One and remain standing, praise God. <laughs> Eyes on eternity and we're gonna read, I'm gonna end with a verse. Let's go through these real quick. N is never go back, we're saying bye, we're not retreating. Never go back. No retreat. Y'all know that I love movies. Patriot, when uh, Mel Gibson, I mean, they're, they're about to get squashed. They're, I mean, just go home. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Just go home. You're just small and insignificant anyways. He wants to hook you with something that you're kind of thinking yourself, right? You don't really matter to King's Church. They don't care if you sneak out the back door. Let me remind you, you are significant and you matter and you're needed in the body of Christ. So you need a hush, lie, go away. Don't bother me, okay? Never go back, no retreat. Patriot, when he get, he takes that American flag and he screams into, he goes into the battle and he's like, no retreat. It's like, I like just start weeping. I'm like, yes, no retreat, no retreat. Keep, go into the battle, okay? Because, listen, we can sing all day, the battle belongs to the Lord, but if you don't step in, you won't be able to experience the victory. All right? Come on now. All right, L, L, grow in, I know it's, Grow does not begin with L, y'all. Getting all feisty with me. Grow in love, okay? Grow in love. Philippians 1, uh, I think it's, yeah, 1, 9, 11. Uh, I don't have time. Philippians 1, 9, that your love would mature and grow. You know, as a, when you're a youth and you're falling in love with Jesus and your zeal is like at a 102%, it's like, I can fall in love with Jesus all day, but can you mature in love? We get set a fire upon my heart, but can you have that consistent flame? Can you be like Betsy and Ron and still hold your hands up and say, God, you are still faithful after you live the life that they lived, after you've faced the trials that they faced? That's what I want. I want when I'm old and gray and life has taken me through the slaughter and relationships have failed me and promises have failed on earth. I want to say, God, I kept my eyes on you. You are still faithful. You are still worthy of worship. 
So I'll take the uncomfortable place over familiarity if it means you got get Jesus. Why yield? This is one of my favorite words. Yield. And I put Luke 1 8. Luke, since we're in the Christmas season, Luke 138, it's one of my favorite verses where Mary said, Behold, I am your servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. Everything is about to shift for her after she says yes to Jesus. She can't go back to her comfort zone after she says yes. She's about to receive the Son of God. There's no going back. There's no retreat. But you know what she is in for? Trial. Torture. When her son is on the cross, like, she said yes to all of that. You're like, nothing hurts my mom's heart more than when someone mistreats my son. And... Guys, that's what Mary had to endure for the heavenly country. So she said, I am yours. I am no longer my own. So if it means that you have me in this in-between place, in this trial, please let my grumbling cease and let my thanksgiving grow.